Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today we're going to be doing a story by Ray Bradbury called The Velt. This is from the collection The Illustrated Man. And one of the reasons I've been doing a lot in the 20th century part of literature, of, of talking about more popular literature, is that a lot of people have the misconception about literature from the past, that this was just something that only a few people read. And yes, this was true in, you know, times when only the nobility had access to literature. But even before, even during that time, uh, there was a great deal of literature, what, you know, we consider literary literature, that was actually written to not only the upper classes, but it was also written to entertain everyone. You know, one of the things that people don't realize about Shakespeare is they think about Shakespeare as high art, but Shakespeare was also incredibly popular in his time period. Um, lots of people would have gone to his plays, not just the upper classes. They had sections of the plays where, you know, the lower classes would be down basically where the actors were in that area, and then the upper classes would be up in the seats. So the idea that when you study literature, you should stay away from anything that is popular. Um, that's a little bit on the ridiculous side. It's also a, a little bit uh, of an idea that will keep literature from having any relevance. One of the things about studying literature is when you study literature that the people actually read or watched or enjoyed, you get a sense of who these people are and what they believe. So you know, part of what I've been doing in the 20th century, if you've noticed, I've been talking about not just the high art, but I've also been talking about, you know, things that more people would have read. And science fiction in the 20th century is, and 21st century, is, is an extremely popular uh, genre, um, you know, watched by, you know, millions and millions worldwide. Uh, these these stories are not um, things that people often think of as literary, but when you actually sit down and look at them, they really do have a lot of philosophy and a lot of ideas behind them, especially science fiction. Science fiction has always been, in the 20th, the, I should say the 19th, 20th, 21st century, it's always been something that has looked at science and progress from multiple sides. You know, think about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, think about, you know, H.G. Wells. Think about, you know, all of these uh, works. They think about, you know, what are the potentials of science, but also what are the possible catastrophes that are, that are brewing out there. And this story that I'm going to be talking about today, The Velt, um, was written in 1950. And to me, the amazing thing is how closely he pegged a lot of things that we're actually working towards having now. And some of these things already exist. Um, the house, I'm not going to get too much into the story itself. I'll talk uh, a little bit about it. Um, the house is fully automated, and the family bought the house for that reason. Um, and by fully automated, I mean it brushes your teeth, it makes your dinner, it does everything for you. It has a nursery that is basically a holographic room designed to um, not only entertain, but educate the children. And the Velt is uh, 
in in this children's room, uh, the children have become really fascinated with Africa. So their holographic room is set in Africa, and there's lions and um, you know all of the the wildlife of Africa and buzzards. And the mother in the story starts to be a little concerned because it seems like the fantasies of the room are becoming darker and darker. And she's starting to worry that this is something that is becoming unhealthy for the children. Now, you know, we don't necessarily have holographic rooms in our house, but we do have houses that are moving towards being more and more fully automated. You know, think about the the you know new technology with, with what they're calling the smart homes. You can change your temperature in your house up or down uh, from anywhere in the world with your cell phone. Uh, there's smart refrigerators that tell you when you're running low on groceries. You know, it can tell you that, oh, you're running low on milk, time to order more milk. And so we are moving in this direction. And the fact that Bradbury wrote this in 1950 is pretty amazing considering television was fairly new in 1950. Um, television really is just starting to come around in that time period. So these ideas that he's putting out here, um, when you really look at them, are becoming really uh, more contemporary than they were in his time. In his time, you you know, people would have read this and said, wow, this is way far off in the future. Uh, we have plenty of time to worry about that. Uh, now you read it and go, yeah, we're already getting there. Maybe we better start thinking about these things. And as the, you know, mother is worried and she, she and the father decide to call in the psychiatrist um, to come and look at the room and the psychiatrist says, this room just feels wrong. It doesn't feel right. And they notice that the programs aren't being responsive to them. Like when the lions start getting closer, uh, the father tells the lions to go away and the lions don't go away. And they kind of hear screams in the distance and they can't quite place the screams. And they see the lions in the distance eating and vultures circling above. And the, you know, Fear is there of what, it, you know, is this sucking the children into being fixated with death? Well, think about technology today, video games. You know, we don't have the holographic rooms, but we have video games and we actually have, uh, you know, moving towards virtual reality video games that are going to be more and more common. Uh, think of, you know, uh, Facebook wanting to launch the metaverse, where basically you can be immersed in artificial reality all the time if you choose to be. So this is not something that is far-fetched anymore. This is not something that is, you know, way off in the distance and we don't have to think about. And also think about, you know, one of the things that this story kind of brings up is the dependence on this technology. You know, the children um, lose their minds when the father recommends shutting off the room. Uh, in fact, they scream and cry and forbid him to do it. You know, think about how much this is like children who have become very addicted to their technology. You know, you threaten to take away a young child's, uh, you know, tablet or their cell, uh, you know, their smartphone or their video game console or any of those, and you know, it it's almost the end of the world for the child as far as their eyes go. 
and the child will, you know, view the parents as the most evil, wicked person on the planet. And you start to see these things coming out in this story. And I don't want to give away the end of the story because I do think you should read uh, this work, this this collection of stories because uh, Bradbury, I think, is one of the people that really had a pulse on where things were going. You know, think about, we talked about Brave New World. A lot of the things in Brave New World, you know, seem pretty scary and pretty much like they're coming into into being. And science fiction has always been that genre. You know, people like to dismiss it as action and adventure, you know, mind candy. But the people who write science fiction and the people who make the science fiction movies um, are using a popular form of entertainment, but they're also using it to convey really deep social and philosophical messages. You know, it's not always, hey, technology's wonderful, look where we're going. You know, think about how many science fiction movies and stories are kind of giving the message of, hey, this is where we're going, and are we sure we want to go this way? You know, the fears about artificial intelligence. Think about how many movies and books have you know, come out of this fear. And this is almost in this story kind of the beginnings of that because the children and the room start to bond a lot more than what the technology is supposed to allow. So you're starting to get towards the ideas of artificial intelligence. This is what the whole Terminator series was based on. This is what the whole Matrix series was based on, was the idea of artificial intelligence at some point becoming aware and deciding we're disposable, we can be gotten rid of. And so this story is, is a very short one. It's only 13 pages. But really, when you read this, you should, you know, pause and think about how much does this look like, um, you know, what we're moving towards. And even with the husband and wife, when, you know, the uh, wife recommends shutting down the house, uh, he says, you know, You've been working too hard. You need a rest. I don't know. I don't know, she said, blowing her nose. Uh, maybe I don't have enough to do. Maybe I have time to think too much. Why don't we shut the whole house off for a few days and take a vacation? And the husband says, you mean you want to fry my eggs for me? Yes, she nodded. And darn my socks? Yes, a frantic, watery eye nodding. And sweep the house? Yes, yes, oh yes. Uh, but I thought that's why we buy that, bought the house, so you wouldn't have to do anything. And this is, again, one of those things where we're coming to this with more and more technology. We're becoming more and more alienated from daily tasks. And this was one of the things that actually led to the downfall of, you know, the royalty and the upper aristocracy is that these people were very much isolated from the realities of the world. You know, the upper classes in the feudal system, many of these those people didn't know how to dress themselves. They would wake up in the morning and stand up and put their arms and, you know, spread their arms out, and they would have people that would start dressing them. If they had been left to dress themselves, a large number of them probably couldn't. You know, they, had, they were so removed from reality that they didn't know how to make their own food. Um, you know, food had to be prepared for them. If they were left alone in a kitchen, they would probably starve to death in a kitchen full of food because they would have no idea what to do with anything. And so there's this little bit in here, too, that's kind of a warning about technology, is that we're becoming more and more alienated from 
the day-to-day -day chores. And as much as the day-to-day -day chores might be a pain, and as much as we think oh, it would be so much easier, so much better if everything was done for us, those day-to-day -day chores also keep us grounded. They keep us thinking about and living in the real world. So we're not, you know, wondering where, you know, how to do the most basic of things. To be honest, when I look at a lot of people, I think if we ever lost, you know, everything electrical for six months or a year, let's say some kind of EMP from the, you know, from the sun or from space wipes out all the electronics on the planet for a year, I have serious concerns that there's a lot of people who wouldn't make it a year without electronic gadgets. They wouldn't make it that long without the internet. They wouldn't make it that long without electronic entertainment because they don't have any um, access anymore to how to do things without. You know, even a lot of times with books, when people read books, they do, you know, e-books or books on tape, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not against these things. I'm not saying that technology is evil. Um, don't, you know, take that route. And that's, that's also not what the science fiction writers are saying either. They're not saying we should just smash everything and go back to the Stone Age. Uh, that's not their point either. The point of the science fiction writers and the point that I'm making is that we have to be the ones that use these things as tools and recognize them as tools. When they stop being tools and start being crutches, that's when we have a problem. When we can't do anything without the technology, that's when it's a problem. You know, when I taught writing classes, research writing classes, I would tell my students, don't rely on the software that will automatically cite your sources for you uh, for two reasons. One, sometimes it didn't work right and it cited the source incorrectly. So I tried to tell them to, you know, go to the book. Yes, learn how to do it, learn how to use the technology to do it, but then open the MLA or the APA or the Chicago-style handbook, you know, whatever the paper is supposed to be in, and look it up and see, did the way the computer did it match the way that the format says it should do it? So that's one, one reason not to do it. One, there can be errors that can do it incorrectly. The other problem is, what happens if the technology fails completely? If you don't know how to get out the, the handbook and look up how do I cite a, you know, a novel with one author? How do I cite a journal article with three authors? Um, if you don't know how to go to the book and do this manually, if your technology fails, you just, you're done. You can't write your paper. You can't, you can't even work on your paper because you have no way to do it. Uh, you have no idea of how you can do these things. But if, let's say, your power goes out for two days and you know how to look at, you know, the handbook and do it from the handbook, well, you can handwrite all of this stuff until the power comes back on and then type it out after the power comes back on. Um, so I've always cautioned people about technology. Technology is a wonderful thing. Um, I would never say get rid of it. Let's go back to the Stone Age. But I do always recommend know how to do both. Know how to use technology and know how to do things manually in case the technology fails. You know, if there's a lot of people, if their heat went out, they would just die. They 
they don't have any way of knowing how to survive if the heat goes out because they don't have any survival skills. And, you know, you see people just, there was just a story in uh, Pakistan where people were, you know, tourists were rushing to see the snow and there was a huge amount of snow in an area of Pakistan and, you know, hundreds of cars got snowed in and the people died in their cars because they didn't know how to survive in that. They weren't used to snow. A lot of them froze to death. A lot of them died of carbon monoxide poisoning because as the snow covered over the car and they were running the car to keep it warm, you know, the exhaust got blocked off and it came into the car and killed them. So this is, you know, one of the things where over-reliance on technology and not having any connection to the world without technology um, can not only leave you where you're enslaved to technology, but it can also leave you completely um, helpless if the technology fails for one reason or another. Okay, I'm going to break off the episode here. I hope all of you are doing well, and I hope all of you are staying safe. Have a good night.